quiet part of Romania is rocked by two rapes and murders, and the details show incompetence by the government from the top to the bottom, the people rise up. Today's story is a tragic one that will create dialogue and change that will make Romania safer for future generations. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Mysteries Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and of course, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Megan. Hi, everyone. So we are doing Romania this week, which is really cool. I've found several, several stories coming out of Romania, true crime stories that are absolutely amazing. And they have several plot twists to them, actually, that I think are really neat, especially this one today, which really affects the Romanian government from, I mean, the top to the bottom. It's, it's really an incredible story. So one of the challenges that we have with filming this podcast from the road is we are not in a quiet room. We aren't at home where we can set up our podcast room and, and have all the sound deadening stuff. We're having to film this from wherever we are. And right now we are staying in an apartment in the city over here. And it is noisy. We have got trash trucks coming by. We've got people honking their horns. We've got people walking by and talking because we're on a first floor apartment here. So if you do hear some background noise in today's episode, that's why it's just a little bit harder to film when you're right here in the city. So without further ado, let's jump right into this one. April 2019, a young girl named Louisa Melensu, she was 18 years old, and she goes missing near a town of Caracau. Now, Caracau is a city in southern Romania. It's like a medium-sized city, not, not huge, you know, but it's not just a small community. It's an actual city there. When she goes missing, of course, her parents report that she's gone. They said, hey, she was out hitchhiking on the side of the road, coming home or something, and she just didn't show back up, and we're, we're really worried about her. And so the police do what the police do, and they said, hey, she's 18 years old, she's an adult, and so we have no reason to suspect anything strange has happened here. She can leave if she wants, she can disappear out of everyone's lives. And the parents actually said the police told them, quote, she had gone off with her Prince Charming. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so they were like, just, you know, let her go. I'm sure she's with a boyfriend or something, and... Did she have a boyfriend? I, I don't know, and that's the thing. This this We're not really covering this part, but this part will tie into the real true crime story that we're about to get into. With so her Prince Charming. Yeah. What what year was this? This was twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, this is recent. So very crazy. So then we'll fast forward to July twenty fourth of twenty nineteen. So we're just going ahead about two or three months. A young girl named Alexandra Mosinsu, she's fifteen years old. She's also hitchhiking near Kerikau. She's on her way home one night, but she doesn't show back up at, at the house. Around eleven PM she called one one two. And if you're a U.S. listener, this will be the equivalent of 911. It's like the emergency call number for Romania. What happens next on these 911 calls is absolutely appalling to me. It's it's really crazy. I have the text transcripts from the 911 call or the 112 call. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna keep saying 911. I have the text transcripts from this, um, and so I think it would help if we both read this. Like if you read as the part of Alexandra. Okay. And I'll read the part as the call taker. And I'm, we're going to try to add in the tone that is written into the transcripts here whenever we go through these. Yeah, but I haven't, both of us, we haven't heard the actual transcript, so we don't know exactly how it was said. But we do see things like, um, for example, she was dramatically crying and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, we'll do our best. Yeah, so we'll add in that tone and like I said, that's what was added to this text transcript, but they haven't actually released the audio transcript. So 
we're just going off of this translation here. So we aren't going to do the entire transcript from the phone calls because that would get pretty lengthy. We're going to pick up in the middle of the first one after she has called in to this 112 number. We'll start with Alexandra. He took me in Caracal, but I don't know exactly where. Well, give me a milestone. Where are you in Caracal? How do you think we can find you? Hello? Yes, wait. Please don't leave. And at this point, this first call disconnects. But Alexandra does call back after just a few minutes. She says that she has found a business card in the room that she's in because she said that she was being held in a room. She was locked inside of it. She finds this business card. She gives it to the operator. It's not the name of, the, of her captor. They'll find that out later. But it is a business that he is associated with. So this is, of course, a really big clue. If you're a call taker and you get the name of a business, then you're, you know, you're doing really good. So the next call picks up with Alexandra. Please, come quickly. I'm scared. Miss, hang up the phone. You will be contacted. The police are coming, yes? Please come quickly. Yeah, right, right. Please, did you send anyone here? We did. Stay there for... They can't fly there in two minutes, young lady. Just stay there, yes? Come, please. I'm scared. Well, who are you scared of? Hello? Is is this not even the business card? I don't know. Oh, uh, you don't know that either. Okay, stay there. A squad will arrive in two or three minutes. Just hold on. Now, I looked up to try to find the audio for these nine, for these 112 calls, but I couldn't find them. And it might be a good thing that I couldn't find them because when you hear someone like this just begging, I mean, she's begging for help. She's locked in this room. She thinks that she is about to die. She knows that she's been captured. Um, she would eventually be raped. We don't know if that was before or after this call. It, she's in a horrible situation right now, and she is scared for her life. And that is a hard thing to listen to on an audio recording to hear someone begging like that, especially when you have these operators like this adding so much, um, such an ironic tone, such a, a disgusted tone, I guess, a little bit irritated that they were having to do their job that night. And that's, that is tough to listen to. Right. For them to even say, like, we can't fly there in two minutes. Like, obviously she's scared. She needs help. You don't say something like that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and there, it's like there's so much sarcasm and irritation yeah. in their voice. It's like you're there to, well, to do your job, to get to get her help, but also to comfort her in a way. I mean, she is freaking out, and you are the only lifeline that she has at this point. And, and it wasn't just one operator. Like, she actually spoke to three different operators over the course of these phone calls. But, I mean, they all kind of gave her a little bit of an attitude that night. They weren't They weren't having it, I guess. So Alexandra made a total of three calls this night within just a few minutes of each other. The final call ended with her saying that she could hear him, he was coming, and that she was scared. On the calls, Alexandra was able to look out the window and describe what she could see. One major thing that she was able to describe was the front gate for the house. And you know, Megan, from us driving around Romania, lots of these towns and cities, they have like these row houses that run right down the sides of the road on both sides. And almost all of these houses have a really big gate out front, like over the driveway. And each of those houses has sort of a unique gate. They're all a little bit different from each other. And so the fact that she could look out and say, I can see the gate, and here's what it is, and describe it to the police, that obviously was a really big clue for them as well, because then they could take that information and say, all right, we just got to find that gate somewhere in town. The police would be dispatched, and they would arrive, but it would actually take them several hours to get there, not two to three minutes like the call taker had said. After several hours, they arrived, and 
they thought they had the location. They ended up searching three different buildings before they thought that they finally had the right building. Once they figured out what the correct one was, the police said, all right, let's stop and wait. It's the middle of the night at this point. They said, let's stop and wait till in the morning when we can get a search warrant to go in and find her. That's, I mean, mind blowing to me because that's not the rule. It wasn't the rule in Romania. It's not the rule basically anywhere in the world. If you are being held captive and you're saying someone's going to kill me, someone's going to rape me, I've been kidnapped, whatever the case is, the police don't have to wait for a search warrant to come get you inside that house. They just can come get you. But for whatever reason, these police officers said, no, we'll wait until in the morning. We'll talk to a magistrate, get a search warrant, and and then go try to find this girl. So when the police finally do get there the next morning, it is too late for Alexandra, and the police end up finding the remains of both of these girls that had gone missing over the past few months. They found bones, teeth fragments. He had done his best to dispose of the bodies. Um, I believe he had burned them because they were down to the bone. Um and it, it was a horrible scene. Anyway, the man that they found there, his name was George Dinka. He was 65 years old. He was a mechanic from that area there in Karakau. Initially, of course, he denies everything, denies knowing anything about this stuff. But they did find out that the phone call that she called 112 on was his cell phone. So it's kind of bad. It looks really bad for you when this girl that just got raped and murdered last night was on your phone in your house calling nine one or calling 112. Yeah. Like, you really can't deny a whole lot at that point. So it it took them some time, and uh, he eventually admitted to raping and murdering both of these girls over the last few months. So in the aftermath of this arrest, there was a lot of public outcry over this case. The people were really upset. They were upset not only with the call takers and the investigators. They were upset with the police officers in the field, and they were upset with people even higher up in the government. Understandably so. They all started learning that the call takers were sarcastic and incompetent at what they were doing. They learned that the police officers had delayed so long waiting on that search warrant, so they were very upset about that. They also learned that the investigators messed it up because a journalist pointed out later that the police had gotten a report for both of these missing girls. We'll call them missing girls at this point. They had gotten a report from both of these saying that it was possible they were taken in a gray station wagon. But they did not pursue that. They didn't say, okay, well, let's see who all has a gray station wagon in town, anything like that. And surely it was probably a lot of people. I mean, station wagons are very common in Europe, but they didn't follow up with that clue. And people were like, if you had just started checking people with gray station wagons, maybe you'd have found something. But anyway, that was just another thing that the public was really upset about. So these riots start breaking out all over Romania. People are chanting that they want the public officials to resign or be fired. Um, the, the national police chief, he was actually fired since it was like a systemic failure in his organization. And then one day, the head of the education ministry in Romania, she was doing a TV interview, and they asked her something about these cases. And she basically victim-blamed the girls. She said... Basically, if they were smart, they wouldn't have been out there hitchhiking. Oh, like her, yeah, she's like, my parents taught me not to hitchhike, so, you know, this is what happens when you hitchhike. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not the thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, she gets fired then as well because that was just dumb on her part to yeah. feel like she needed to stick her nose in there. So there is change happening in law enforcement at that point, and that's good because, like I said, they've, they've fired the national police chief. They're... 
you know, making their changes and stuff. But one thing that the, that the people were really upset about was the fact that there had been some recent changes to the laws in Romania. So they had the Social Democrat Party uh, was in power at the time, and they were really struggling with this situation. They had already had several failures leading up to this, and then this whole situation pops up, and people are really blaming them. The reason that they're blaming them is because this Democrat Party had just pushed through legislation that made a crime like this, a, a rape and a murder, carry a maximum penalty of 18 years. So the most this George guy would get would be 18 years for raping and murdering these two girls. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. and like That and should be life yeah. in prison. Well, and it had been. It was higher, but they said— their reasoning for wanting to push this law through was, they said, if you are older when you commit the crime, you shouldn't get as long of a sentence. What? So because you can't commit the crime again if you're older? Is that I, I the guess so, or they're that? thinking, we don't want to take someone's enti- the rest of their life away from them, I, which uh, I don't see sorry. why not. You've taken a couple You've girls' lives. You've taken their lives, yeah. Yeah, That's the way I see it's it absolutely too. crazy. And so they, since this guy was sixty-five at the time, that put him in an age bracket. They kind of had it bracketed, like, like your taxes are bracketed based on what you earn. Like, crimes carry different penalties based on your age at that point. So with him being sixty-five years old, that meant that he would get a maximum of eighteen years for doing this. And it said that they pushed this through because um, they had some political reasons, like some some uh, politicians or some high up friends of politicians had gotten in trouble for a few things and they were trying to get sentences lowered basically is what they were doing i mean i can kind of understand if they were dealing with a situation where their prisons were being overpopulated and they were like um this 90 year old is not gonna commit another murder so we're better off you know giving his spot to someone who is in their 20s or 30s and could commit this crime again. Um, yeah. If that was the situation, I can kind of understand where they might be coming from. I'm just trying to keep an open mind and try to figure out why they would make changes like that, where you would only get 18 years for murder and rape. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't really make sense to me. But also, you know, maybe they were dealing with um, overpopulated prisons or they had some reason that would make sense. I, th- I mean, it's a slippery slope for sure. If you start saying this will carry a maximum of this and that's, and it's low in my opinion, very low for the yeah. crime. That's even if you, even if it is based on age or overpopulation, that's pretty crazy. You know, if yeah. I, th- I think it was because he was over 60. So if he's at 60, the, the absolute max he would be in there too was 78. If he had committed, if someone committed this crime at the age of sixty, and you could definitely rape and murder someone you again at that could. age, yeah, for I mean, sure. If you're a healthy person, for sure, yeah. And and even, I mean, further than that, those victims and those victims' families deserve better than that. I feel like if oh, if you are going out seeking out people, I mean, that's premeditated. You're seeking out victims to rape and murder, and doing this multiple times. You you are already proving that you are a serial criminal at this point. That's you need more time than that. You've got something really going on in your head. Yeah, absolutely. And if it is a situation where it is overpopulation of a prison and all of that, like, uh, I think we're getting to the point where maybe we just need to build more. (laughs) You know, like, we need to fix this problem in another way and maybe not let these people out. Yeah. 
So the the Social Democratic Party Prime Minister, and I keep saying it that way because that's the that is the actual name of their party, Social Democrat Party. Their prime minister is doing all that she can to deflect blame for this because everyone, like I said, once they've gotten through the police department, they've really turned on the federal government at that point. They've turned on this on this party. So they're doing all that they can to to stay in power. The reason that they are having such trouble is the last time that the Social Democrat Party was in charge in Romania was 2015, just a few years earlier. But once they had gotten in charge at that time, they had so many scandals and so many failures pop up in such a short time that the people actually ousted them from power, like removed them and wow. said, no, we need a more conservative government place. So then we fast forward, you know, four more years, they're back in power and it has been one failure after another. And then this case pops up, which gets, you know, national headlines and it just really doesn't look good. So the party enacts an emergency bill to revert the legislation they had just fought to push through and the new emergency bill would give life sentences to anyone for uh, crimes like rape and and pedophilia and stuff like that but yeah but the people saw through it they were like nope that's too little too late we all said this was going to happen you didn't listen you couldn't see it coming so they ousted that social democrat party again and um and put some more conservative leadership wow. in place. Yeah, I mean, a crazy swing story mm-hmm. there in their government like that. And it's crazy that they, I don't want to say crazy, actually, I think it's good that the people were able to recognize, like, this is the root cause of this. It's because you are enacting these laws, and it's it's causing people to be able to go out and commit crimes that, number one, we are furious about, and number two, they're potentially able to get back out of prison and do it again if they wanted to. It's It's wild. Because, you know, how many times... Do people serve their entire sentence? If you don't get a life sentence, lots of times people get sentenced to you know ten years for a crime or twenty years for a crime or whatever it is, and they end up actually only staying in a lot less than that. You know, we hear that all the time. People getting out on on parole or whatever, and they're not they're not serving that. So even if someone did get an eighteen year sentence, they, I mean that guy could have been back out in nine years or something. Yeah. So one more big issue that people were really upset about, and they were rioting about, and this one really struck me as interesting because it's not something that we would ever hear in in the U.S., I believe. People were upset because they felt like they didn't have a good public transportation system in place, and they were blaming the government for that and saying that this is one of the reasons these girls... That's why they were hitchhiking. Yeah. And so they were like, hey, lots of other countries in the EU have great public transportation systems, and and we've seen that personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's great train systems, bus systems, trams, everything even way out in the country there will be a regular bus route that's running every 20 or 30 minutes and and people are able to get around on on public transportation but the romanians said we don't have a good system here and we need a better system and romania had actually sort of been working on that in in bucharest in their capital city they had been building a metro there but it had been taking like over a decade to get this thing complete and people were upset they're like even where you are working on this it's just taking an extreme amount of time. This this shouldn't take this long to put things in place, and so they were they weren't happy with the progress and and they were wanting more. Yeah. But then other places in the EU that we've seen have very good public transportation systems. You know, trains that stop multiple times in the city. Yeah. Trams that connect everywhere, and then buses that cover outside of the city really really well. So I can definitely see why, especially a European being over here and seeing that. Now as Americans. We don't have a good public transportation system, yeah. really anywhere. I mean, there's there's good metros and things in 
places like New York. <laughs> but or Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, but it's like outside of a, a few of the large cities, there's really not much. You know, you can't you can't hop on a train and go from one state to the next in, in two hours, you know, on some bullet train and, and, and you're at your next destination. You just, you can't travel like that in the U.S. And what, I feel like what public transportation is there, buses and stuff in cities, a lot of times are, are really run down and really uh, maybe scary. I think you'd have a better chance of being raped and murdered on some of the public transportation in the U.S. than you would out yeah. hitchhiking in a lot of cases. Lots of crimes are going on at yeah. bus stations or on the buses and at bus stops and things like that. It's a lot of, a lot of times, and I don't want to say that for every single time, because like we said, there are a few that are really good out there, but a lot of the ones in the U.S. are public transportation could be a pretty scary thing. And I think that kudos to the Europeans for putting these systems in place almost all the way across the board where you really do feel safe on public transportation and it, and it is a very efficient and effective system that they've put in place that you can you can hop on and you can be all the way across town in just a few minutes and right where it seems to be right where you need to be almost every time. The good news is at the end of it, uh, George was convicted of the rapes and murders and uh, he did get that life sentence because they had changed the they changed the law for it which was very fortunate for i guess for the public and for the victims the victims families and all they said that there was a lot of twists and turns in this case um, but a lot of it, it it was a case that was covered nationally very well in the romanian news outlets but it wasn't covered internationally so a lot of this story was never translated a lot of the case files and things are never translated to english or to other languages so a lot of people don't no, we only have the information that was like the big points of it, I guess, that they translated these things over to English, whether it be video or audio or, or, or just written. Super interesting. I'm glad they were able to change those laws after this happened. Right. Yeah, I, th I think that was a really good thing for them because that will, I mean, in, in effect, that's going to make them safer from here on out. And yeah. also that they were able to put, or the people were able to put so much pressure on the federal government to say, hey, we want better public transportation here. That's going to make us a safer country to be in. And so by enacting these changes, it's it's going to benefit Romania for years to come now after this. I mean, this will make all Romanians safer. It's unfortunate that it came down to costing these two girls a, a tragic death basically at the end. But it, it, it does seem like a lot of times that's how it happens all around the world. It takes something tragic. It mm -hmm. takes... Uh, I guess we could say a sacrifice, if, if you will, but it takes something like that to really get people to open their eyes and say, hey, we need a change now. <laughs> and that's what it takes to actually get the government going in a lot of cases. So this happened in 2019. Right. How often do they reelect their government leaders? Oh, I don't know. Because Years. I'm really yeah. interested to see, like, after having to overthrow their Democratic Party twice. Twice. Yeah. How long is it going to be before they're yeah. like, which let's elect them again? Yeah, I don't know how often their elections are, but I do know that like in the U.S. we basically we have two major parties. You have the Republican Party and you have the Democrat Party. In Romania, they have like I think it's five major mm. parties or something. So they have like social democratic parties, but then they would still have other we would say liberal or left leaning left leaning right. parties. So I don't know if. They just moved it over to a little bit more centered mm -hmm. left, or if they moved pretty far conservative. I don't know what they did there. But, yeah, that party, I mean, they had two shots within a few years and yeah. it, it made the people so mad both times that they had to be ousted. That's yeah. that's pretty big. And it I might know. be a while before, like you said, before they 
are back in power there. Yeah, it's like I don't know enough about their Democratic Party at all to like, you know, yeah, have any opinions on it. But I am curious to see like how long it is going to take before they're like, yeah, we might trust you again. We'll We'll give you you another another try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it for today's story. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I do have one more Romanian story that we'll be doing in the next episode. And this one is a really incredible story too. And I actually, towards the end of studying for the next story, I found a way that it actually links back to this story that we covered today, which is really interesting. They're not occurring in the same cities and they're different crimes, but it has a a kind of interesting little twist that ties in with this one. Don't forget we do upload every Monday and Thursday here on Mysteries Abroad podcast. So be on the lookout for the next episode and thanks for listening.